0: From the Nevada Independent, this is On The Trail. I'm Jacob Solis. This week, we're just days away from Nevada's first in the West presidential primaries and Republican presidential caucus. And that means presidential campaigns have finally started dispatching candidates and surrogates and droves. But what do the voters showing up to these rallies and meet and greets and get out the vote events actually think? And is anyone still excited for a rematch of the 2020 election? Our reporters Sean Galonka, Eric Nugoboran, and Nayoka Foreman join me to break it all down. Sean, Eric, Nayoka, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jacob.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks for having me, Jacob. Uh, well, I'm glad you're all here because uh, let's, okay, let's back up. Let's Let's explain the timing of all this because, okay, the South Carolina primary is technically the first on the nominating calendar on Saturday. Uh, Nevada's second on Tuesday, February 6th. But Nevada has an early voting period, which means the polls have been open here since last Saturday. That's a full week before South Carolina for anyone who's counting at home. And okay, all that prelude aside, Eric, you were out in East Las Vegas last week for the start of a sort of parade of candidate visits that happened. Um, that included an event where California Governor Gavin Newsom and former Governor Steve Sisolak were handing out signs on a Friday afternoon. So I just have to know, uh, what kind of person comes out to a, an event like this? It was at a house, right? On a Friday afternoon to hang out with Gavin Newsom and Steve Sisolak. What what was the vibe?
2: Yeah, so it was at the house of Donna West, who is the longtime um, Democrat, Nevada Democratic surrogate. And the vibe was good. There were about 20 people by my estimate, it seems like based on the people I talked to, that they were just the the staunch supporters of the Nevada Democratic Party. Um, they had supported Sisolak, who was there, um, making a rare public appearance since his election defeat a year and a half ago about. And yeah, it, it was mostly just a quick uh, meet and greet for um, former Governor Sisolak and Governor Newsom.
0: Okay, but while Newsom was there, he took some some pot shots at folks, right? <laughs> in Lombardo yeah. specifically?
2: Yeah, he he took a little a veiled shot of Lombardo and when I asked him about it after, he didn't even realize that he had done it, so it may just be second nature to him. But um he okay. he said and he he told reporters afterwards that there was um a, co- a, a cohesion among western governors that existed before Governor Lombardo was in office with with Governor Sisolak, and he said that was that was lost a little bit now. So just a little a little jab at it. He wouldn't he wouldn't answer questions about the primary caucus. So I guess that shows the limits of him willing to intervene in Nevada politics. But um, he made sure to say some words for Governor Lombardo.
0: Ah, Well, you, you bring up the primary caucus, so we may as well talk about the Republicans. Sean. Uh, You were part of the team alongside me and our colleague Janelle Calderon, who had to cover Trump uh, last Saturday because he was also in town for the start of early voting. Uh, But early voting for a primary that he's not in, right? If you've been listening to the podcast, you know he's on the caucus ballot, not the primary ballot. It's been a whole thing. Okay, so, Sean, why, why did Trump even come to Vegas last Saturday if the caucus isn't until February 8th?
3: Well, you know, for one, Southern Nevada, beautiful in midwinter, um, and you know, former President Trump certainly has uh, some friends to visit within the the Nevada GOP. But um, you know, in all seriousness, this was this was about the general election. I think you know the caucus, uh, of course, is is a little bit of a ways away, and he, he's there to rile up support for the caucus because, um, you know, certainly with with all Republican voters getting mail ballots in the primary, he wants to try to drive up his caucus numbers and you know, not have a a lower number than Nikki Haley, um, you know, when the final results come in from each election. But um, the I think the content of his speech showed just how much this was about, you know, kind of his focus shifting to the general election and Joe Biden. So we can get a little bit more, you know, into the content, I think. But but Jacob, what was it like, you know, being on the ground there?
0: The vibes were extremely weird because I'll say I've been to a bunch of Trump rallies at this point between 2020 and now this cycle. And a lot of them and and Eric, you were one at one last year, right? That was at Stoney's Rocking Country, you know, this honky tonk bar in the middle of Las Vegas. Uh, Or, you know, he'll do rallies at sort of like, you know, an event center or a convention center or sort of like big venues. This was A, in the middle of East Las Vegas, which is not just like democratic territory, but like deep democratic territory. Um, And it was at like an intramural soccer field that was just like on AstroTurf and everyone was just standing there for hours. At one point they started playing the uh, Phantom of the Opera music. And it was like, everyone was dissociating because they had been there for so long that no one realized it was happening until about three minutes into the song. Like they were, the crescendos were happening. Then they switched it to Elvis. They sort of realized their mistake. Um, Just very strange. Um, And then even Trump's speech sort of like he went on and Sean, you were watching it. He he talked for about five minutes about mental aptitude tests, but not even like bashing Joe Biden, which he did do. um, But he just sort of talked about how well he would do on a mental aptitude test and then talked about the specifics of this mental aptitude test that he took. How
3: well, yeah, how well he did on one mental aptitude test that he took years ago. And he was like recalling some uh, lengthy mental math question from the test and um, how he had to like recall words that they gave him at the start of the test and repeat them back at the end of the test. Um,
0: It it was hard to make sense of. It was something to behold. But the voters there, I mean, they love it, right? They love Trump. They're there for Trump Uh, voters that Janelle and I talked to. I mean, um, you know, one woman told Janelle that you know, if Trump were dead, because she said Trump would... All right, no, actually, hold on. You know, maybe, maybe I'll phrase it this way. Yeah, she said if Trump were dead, she'd still vote for him, which I think evokes right in Nevada. If anyone remembers, Dennis Hoff ran for assembly, won the primary, died, and then won the general election. Um, it's hard not to have a comparison in Nevada. But we will return to Trump in a moment, because he was in East Las Vegas at the same time, Nayoka, that Kamala Harris was in East Las Vegas, but you were following around as she went on this sort of tour of like, parts of downtown, parts of, Las, parts of East Las Vegas. So where did she go and what was she doing, right? Cause this wasn't like voters, right? Coming out to see her at these things?
1: Correct. Um, she started her day, um, from what I know, at the Chef Jeff Project, um, which is in North Las Vegas, close to East, to East Las Vegas. Um, kind of like in that area of Las Vegas Boulevard and Paycoats. Um, And it wasn't a place for voters. It was more so a space to talk about small business ownership and what the SBA is doing to help people attain business ownership.
0: And the SBA the Small Business Administration, right?
1: Right, the Small Business Administration. Um, they're working on ensuring that formerly incarcerated people would not have to vote that they have criminal histories. Um, that policy isn't out yet, but that's something that they're proposing.
0: Oh, well, so you so you talk to people. So they they were at the Chef Jeff Project for like what they do right there. Uh, and then Kamala Harris arrives. And so I guess these people are just vibing. The vice president arrives. What do they have to say about the vice president showing up?
1: Um, well, I talked to the culinary assistants and I was speaking with them about the election. Are they um, inspired and most of them were saying, you know, they're not engaged in politics. It's not something that they're interested in. So they were excited to serve the VP and they were, um, some were nervous, some were, felt very prepared to, um, and actually they didn't serve her. They just showed her the food that they could. Um, so they were, I'm not sure. I think that they were happy to serve her, but not in a political way. It wasn't, It wasn't because she aligned with their politics.
0: Right. Like it's not this is not like a voter engagement thing. It's more of a like, oh, that's the vice president thing. Correct. Okay, gotcha. Well, okay. after that, uh, Eric, you were at an actual political rally that the vice president was at. Um, But I know that it was quite brief. So I guess how long did Harris actually speak for and what did she say?
2: Yeah, she talked for, I think, my count about 16 or 17 minutes, um, which was about two hours, two and a half hours um, after the reporters had to get there. So we were hanging around. There was was a lot of fanfare before. There was uh, a mariachi band, uh, a local dance team. Um, But going back to Vice President Harris's speech, it was kind of just the usual hit. Uh, She took some shots at Donald Trump, uh, saying one time that he does it all for himself and he isn't actually looking out for Americans. Um, Beyond that, it was it was just running, running through the list of the accomplishments of the Biden administration. Um, Again, not really. I don't think there was even one mention of the Nevada primary. It was all eyes toward November, which seems like is just the common trend in this campaign because the results of the primary and the caucus and the presumptive nominees for both major parties are all but decided at this point. Um, so it was it was an interesting just um, peek into what the, the body campaign is thinking at this point in the race.
0: Okay. Well, I want to follow up on the voters and how they were feeling because at this event in particular, some of you may have seen on social media, there was a clip of a couple of people uh, wearing hijabs who were not allowed into the Harris event. This got blown up by the sort of, we'll call them the ceasefire left, um, that have been displeased with the Biden-Harris administration, specifically over their stance in Israel. Uh, The Biden campaign pushed back on this and basically said these two people were protesters and would have disrupted the event. They implied that they were also disrupting a uh, Jackie Rosen event that happened a while ago. So not sort of getting into the specifics of that, but using that, I guess, as a frame to say the party has had, I think, a bit of a uh, uh, friction, specifically with young voters who are more left-leaning inside that sort of big Democratic tent. Did you notice any of that at this event? I guess, what were the kinds of people showing up to this Kamala thing?
2: Yeah, it, it's interesting because a lot of, there were, there were some young people, of course, um, but by and large, it was mostly like an older crowd, um, adults who have children, people brought their children there. Um, and everyone I talked to um, was at least in their 40s. Um, so it, it represents an interesting, I think, like generational divide. Um, and it kind of goes back to what um, Naoka had seen at the Chef Jeff event, because there were some young, younger voters there who she spoke with uh, that were just like apathetic about the current state of politics, whereas the, the people I spoke with at the Trump rally were very uh, I don't want to say catastrophizing, but they really stressed the importance of the election and um, viewed it as very high stakes, uh, whereas um, some some other people aren't as enthusiastic about the candidates and the election as a whole.
0: Yeah, I always remember every election is the most important election of your life. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this, uh, Sean, because I'll say when I was at the Trump rally, uh, like like Eric said, a lot of folks were older. I mean, at some point, someone passed out, right, from having stood there um, for so long. Um, and even in East Las Vegas, right, which I think is something like, it's it's at least majority Hispanic, if not over 60% Hispanic. Um, a lot of white faces in that crowd. I'm going to be real. Um, so a lot of folks that we talked to uh, were, like, like Eric said, I think maybe catastrophizing is a very specific word. But certainly, there is a level of doomerism in the sort of uh, parlance of our times that... Uh, everything is bad and everything is terrible. And very specifically, immigration is bad. And Sean, Trump really honed in on this. And to what degree do you think that the the message from Im, on immigration specifically is coming from the top down here? That sort of Trump is dictating to the voters sort of what the level of concern ought to be? Because I think maybe a month ago, we were really concerned about the economy and that, that seems to be uh, less so.
3: Yeah, I think you know, certainly he sensed that this is is not a winning issue for Joe Biden. I mean, Republicans, I think, in, in recent years certainly have tended to perform better on the immigration issue. Um, you know, it's also all connected to what's happening in Congress right now, where they've been working on this bipartisan immigration deal that Trump has also kind of separately tried to torpedo by calling it, um, you know, saying that it would be even worse than passing no deal at all to improve, you know, border security. So, um, I think certainly Trump is trying to to seize on this issue. Um, it was something that we saw, you know, I think in 2016, kind of his anti-immigrant uh, rhetoric, um, and I think that's that's really been amped up a notch with, you know, what his speech was, and and I think it was something that that hit home with voters who, um, you know, kind of with the news that they consume on a general basis are there's a lot of fear mongering about illegal immigration and you know immigrants coming to to steal their jobs and their wages and and that sort of thing um and so he was really trying to you know i think kind of hit home on that point to 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 you know bring out that fear i think and and kind of drive the motivation with that
0: yeah i would agree with that and i think in classic trump style he also spent somewhere between 5 and 10 minutes telling an extended story about negotiations with mexico um so i i guess let's let's put a pin on that uh We're going to be talking to a lot more voters because, hey, get ready. It's an election next week. Uh, But before we get to that, that is a next week problem. It is time for the lightning round, everybody. Every week, if you are unfamiliar, we have the lightning round where we go through stories that we just can't stop thinking about this week as long as it's still related to campaigns and elections. So we're going to go in a circle here. Sean, we're going to start with you. What's in your lightning round?
3: Well, Jacob, I, I have an update from two weeks ago on on everything that we were all excited about, the ice cream primary and Henderson. I got to say, I'm actually incredibly disappointed in, in my hometown, the city of Henderson, because I'm looking at the sample ballot right now. Um, and he, here are the options on, on the sample ballot for, okay. for kids okay. voting in this primary. Bubblegum, gum, chocolate, chocolate chip, cookie dough, cookies and cream, mint chocolate chip, Rocky Road, vanilla. Um so no, none of these candidates option, no write-in option. Um, I think Cherry Garcia might've missed the filing deadline.
0: Um it might have at this point, yeah, okay. Know? So it's, it,
3: it's not a great set of I, options in my opinion, but uh, you know, I mean, it's chocolate.
0: outrageous. I mean, that bubblegum, yeah, I mean, you're right. That bubblegum, like, clear, what, I, it's, right, yeah. It's no, kids, no, you know, I'm so living. it makes
3: sense, but I, I'm
0: disappointed. I'm sorry, when is the last time any child has eaten bubblegum flavor ice cream? Who would purchase that for a child? I, anyways, well, uh, I'm I'm now extremely angry. Thank you for that, Sean. Uh, Eric, what's in your lightning round?
2: Yeah, um, it, there was some interesting news out of Reno uh, or Washoe County, uh, more uh, more broadly, um, earlier this week that they had um, the Washoe County Republican Party had voted to kick out um, commissioner uh, one of the commissioners, um, and it was interesting because. Um, Governor Lombardo appointed her to the commission in February, um, but the county party has since exiled her. Um, and she has not been like a uh, vocal supporter of Robert Beatles, who's a, who's a big GOP power player. So it, it kind of provided a, a window of insight into uh, um, who just who are the power players in the GOP right?
0: Yeah, an incredible scene, frankly, in Washoe County. And frankly, the funniest part of all this is that I mean, she's still a Republican, right? The R will be next to her name, but she's not allowed to come to the meetings. All yeah. Right, well,
2: maybe just a Republican and, and letter only.
0: Truly, a finally a rhino, a real one. Um. Anyways, all right, Nayoka, what is in your lightning round?
1: All right, I have to bring more of a sobering angle, and I do apologize, but um. I would say I was just at home. I had the news on and I'm keeping track of the U.S. troops who were killed in Jordan. And that story um, was was pretty striking for me. I'm listening to how it was an unmanned drone that flew into um, military bases and how they went about it, either trailing another U.S. drone or flying really low. So that was that was interesting and and what was really striking was to see the images flashed in the news and it was three black soldiers, two of them being youth if we're classifying them as youth in Nevada. Um and so often black folks are not the subject of news unless it's focused on race. So naturally I'm I'm hearing the news and I'm not picturing black soldiers. I'm not picturing um Black military service members. And I think the moment really brought me down to earth about, wow, you know, U.S. soldiers were killed. We're, in, we're possibly, you know, going to respond to this. So it, it, it was a very sobering moment for me, but it was, it was striking to see. And they're all from Georgia. Um, that, was, that, was, that was striking information for me.
0: Yeah, and it's a striking moment. I mean, I mean, politically speaking, right, and, and I hate to be crass about it, right, sort of making this a political moment, but right, the Biden administration is being stressed, I mean, internally, right, in its response to the Middle East, and certainly the situation in Jordan is going to be, I think, a factor in the way that people view American foreign policy going forward. Well, I'm going to take a complete left turn with my lightning round item. So I have to talk about Taylor Swift. Um, This this is on behalf of Gabby, who is not on the show this week, Um, but she demanded that we discuss Taylor Swift being a CIA asset, according to conservative influencers online, apparently, uh, because uh, the NFL is rigged and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are actually a uh, liberal psyop in order to brainwash people into voting for Joe Biden, apparently. Uh, but. Hey, if you're actually interested in this, this goes back to like 2016. I have been following this for a long time. Like there's a bunch of like straight up neo-Nazis who are really invested in this story. There's been reporting back in 2018 as well, about like links to 4chan and online conspiracy theories. So, hey, this, the rabbit hole goes deep on this folks. Uh, so if you want, I, I recommend, uh, there, there is some light reading if anyone wants to reach out that I, that I have available. Um, it's crazy out there. Uh. But I'll just say this didn't come out of any. Uh, this didn't come out of nowhere. I'll just say that. Woof. Well, what a what a lightning round. And I guess with that, that does it for this week's episode of On the Trail. Our show is produced and edited by Joey Lovato, with additional help from Michelle Rindells and Kristen Leonard. And uh, there is a special election week programming that we have today. We are going to have two new episodes of On the Trail next week. We're going to have fresh reactions from the primary election results in your podcast feed on Wednesday and we're going to do a live Q&A on YouTube that's gonna stream on Friday. We're gonna have more details for you next week, but if you wanna send in your questions ahead of time, you can email us at elections at nvindi.com. That's elections at T-H-E-N-V-I-N-D-Y.com. And if you've got even more burning questions, our DC correspondent and on-the-trail regular Gabby Bierenbaum will be doing a Reddit Ask Me Anything on the Nevada Politics subreddit on Wednesday. So, if you've got those burning questions about how Biden or Congress or the courts are going to affect Nevada, head to r slash Politics on Wednesday, February 7th. Oof. From the Nevada Independent, I'm Jacob Solis. We'll see you next week.